Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Today, we are talking anxiety in our children. I personally have anxiety. My daughter has suffered with anxiety, and I'm sure you probably have a child and or you relate. And uh, Shaista Kaba Telly, who is my guest today, is uh, a specialist in this, and we're going to talk all about it. And hopefully, we can grab some pointers on how to. Um, cope with this. And before I bring Shaista on, I'm going to give you a little background. As a kindergarten teacher, Shaista has been working in the Delta School District for 16 years. She serves as a mentor teacher, a leader, and facilitates initiatives for the district. Over the years, she has earned the following, bachelor's in arts uh, in psychology and and English, uh, bachelor's in education, specializing in early childhood education and English language learning, master's in education, and PhD candidate in early childhood education. Shaista is a certified children's life coach and works with clients to build self-esteem, manage anxiety, and develop the heart-mind. Shaista is the author of the book Back Home, which has received accolades nationwide. She is also the co-host of the I Am Mob podcast. And uh, over the last two years, she has developed programs such as the Thrive Kids Virtual Early Learning Academy, Thrive Mommy, and Thrive Babies. She has a lot of experience, and I'm excited to welcome Shaisa to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to to be here today with you. Me too. I'm so happy to see you. I was on your podcast not too long ago. Super fun. Yes, yes. And I'm I'm looking forward to being on the other end of it this time. Yes. And so before we jump into all things anxiety and kids, um, I have an icebreaker question. Oh, okay. All yeah. Right. So I, the question is, what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? Oh, okay. So I'm a real dark chocolate person. So I really love um, those cookies. They're, we have them here in Canada. They're called Monaco cookies. Okay. And they have like a dark chocolate filling. So that's uh, my favorite cookie for sure. Oh, wow. I've not heard of those. Oh, you should try to check them out. I don't know if they have them over where you are, but yeah, they're really good. Oh, I don't know. I'll have to look. So um, when you're not eating Monaco cookies, tell us a little bit about you. You have a I Am Mom podcast, so you are a mom. That's right. Yes, I am a mom of a 10 and a half year old, and I have um, a baby who actually just turned two yesterday. So happy birthday. Yeah, Yeah, so and I work with a lot of kids, particularly um, I noticed in the classroom over the years, how many more kids are coming in with anxiety Mm. and how it is persistent like this anxiety is so persistent and it carries on with them I've been teaching for a while now so I can watch the kids kind of go through the school system um, at least the elementary school system and how it doesn't change unless there are tools or techniques or um, some support systems that are put in place so that's why I found it really important 
in my work as a teacher to complement it, to work with them um, on building their uh, skills so they can overcome this anxiety as well. So where do you think the influx of anxiety has come from? Has it been from the pandemic and all of the changes and stresses at home? You think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. The pandemic has had an effect on kids and their anxiety with the unknown, um, with just the the common fear that is in society. Um, and I, I do think that that has added to what our kids are feeling these days. But I also think that um, it, it was long before the pandemic where it began. And I mm-hmm. think where that started is as a result of expectations. So there's societal expectations and there's parental expectations and um, expectations from parents on where their kids should be, right? Mm -hmm. And that then causes anxiety in parents when they're afraid that their children aren't um, where society tells them to be. And then that transfers over to the kids. And so are they talking to their friends at school to gauge where they feel they are in, in the expectations that their parents, like, do they compare notes? I mean, yeah. I have, um, I'll, I have a first grader, a second grader, and I'll have a kindergartner next year. Um, mm. my third will be in kindergarten next year. And so I see them talking to their friends or they come home and then all of a sudden their interests are completely random. So I know that there's a lot of influence there. Does that also have play into it? Definitely. There's definitely a lot of um, subconscious comparison, I would say, um, within um, play and within the school system itself. Um, And the way the school system is set up is that kids know where they're at, like even at kindergarten level, right? I mean, you, you, just a random example here would be like their guided reading books that have levels on them. So if a child is picking out a book that's the beginner level and the person next to them is picking out a book that's higher than them in a different color-coded box, they know that they're not at that level. Right. And even though they may not vocalize that, it affects their subconscious belief system. Um, and it, it, it puts on this pressure for them to, to, to quote unquote, level up in their mind. Right. So then they start creating this scenario in their head. And that's where a lot of insecurities are now exactly. forming. Yeah, exactly. There's so much um, comparison that's gone on, right? And, um, you know, when you look at at, um, our ancestors and how anxiety has developed, right? And a lot of people have heard of this flight flight and freeze um, anecdote where, you know, a long time ago there was um, danger, right? And people had to protect themselves. So your body would go into this fight, flight, freeze mode in order to not get eaten by a tiger or whatever it was. Nowadays, though, there are no tigers, but this fight, flight, or freeze response has 
still continued to be there. And what children see are what I call paper tigers. So there's a fear there, right? There's a fear, um, a paper tiger fear that if I don't do well enough, then I won't blank, blank, blank. Mm -hmm. So then their body will respond in the similar way of the fight, flight, or freeze, unless there are specific um, tools to help them manage that. So I think all three of my kids do three different things. Like my oldest, when he escapes, so he, he runs from it. Right. And then my daughter who has anxiety or, uh, I mean, I think they all now have anxiety just they just develop it, but mm-hmm. she was very anxious as a little one. And she does a lot of scripts and repeats. And so she's more of, she processes it that way. Mm-hmm. And then my third is a fighter for sure. He does not want to do something or like, he fights it. So funny. Yeah. And you know, like there's also another one um, you'll find many people um, do this particular one. It's called fiend. So that's the people pleasing. So, Ah. yeah. So that's like, okay, well, I'm not going to deal with this. I don't want to deal with this uncomfortable anxiety that I'm feeling. So I'm going to just do what you say, and I'm going to be the people pleaser. So that's another uh, response that has been developed over the years. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I've never heard of that one. Is that a new one? It is. It is. That's right. It is new. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So that's a good one to keep in mind because you'll see that. I see that a lot in the classroom where there's a lot of kids who, um, you know, will come up and they want some um, acknowledgement that they're doing the right thing. Right. Or they want your your um, your consent that, yes, it's okay to do this. Um, right. So that would be under feed for sure. The anxiety response under feed. So if we have our children that are anxious or they come home, what are some tips that we can do to help with that? Yeah. So the first thing is just to really um, acknowledge that they are feeling that certain way, right? So a lot of the times, let's say uh, your child comes home and they are, um, you know, they're saying, oh, you know, I was really scared because my teacher didn't, or I didn't feel really good because my teacher didn't say that my artwork was good. What would be the first response that you would have in that? You would probably say something like, Oh, it's really great. I'm sure she she didn't she just was busy and didn't get a chance to to tell you. Right? Right. So changing the script for us is really important. So instead of having um, that automatic response that we normally have, doing that mind shift where we're saying to the child, "Oh, that must have been really disappointing or frustrating or made you feel really sad that your teacher didn't comment on that work. So acknowledging their feelings instead of making an excuse. Exactly. Exactly. Because then what happens is we're, we're kind of um, disengaging them from what they're actually feeling Mm -hmm. and what they're hearing is, okay, so I'm not going to be connected to this, or this isn't important to 
to you and therefore it shouldn't be important to me, but it is right. Right. And so really acknowledging that in the first place is, is definitely the first step, but that takes a lot of um, practice for us as parents to do, because it's much easier. We want to alleviate this feeling of distress, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want our children to, to sit in it and, we want to take it away. So that's our first automatic response, but really just allowing them to be like, okay, I understand this is probably the way that you're feeling and giving them enough voice around that. Um, if they can't be the voice, you are the voice for that. And that way um, they know that, you know, it's okay to feel this way and it's normal to feel this way, but we don't want to stay in it. So the next thing would be to, okay, what can we do to change this perspective, right? And mm -hmm. so for some kids, it might be, oh, okay, um, maybe I can go tomorrow and do, an, do some a different piece of artwork and show it to some of my friends, right? If they want that acknowledgement, right? We don't want to take away the fact that they may need that acknowledgement. For other kids, it might be if they're there yet, right? If they are at this point that, you know what, I really loved this art piece. And that is all that matters. So having that conversation with your child to get to that point, and there's a lot of kids who aren't there yet, right? So we want to take these baby steps. So they do feel at the end empowered to um, have that power inside of them and get that acknowledgement within themselves. Right, right. And so I've read and also heard like, anxiety can look very differently when it comes from kids, because they're, I mean, I have little ones. I, I that's all I can really speak to. So yeah. if they fight bedtime, for instance, mm -hmm. uh, that could be anxiety about going to bed, whether that be bad dreams or anxiety about parting. Like, I feel like when my daughter had a hard time, when she was younger, she didn't want me to leave her room. Yeah. And I, once we moved into a, a one story house, it actually helped a lot. Cause I think she didn't like feeling upstairs and I was downstairs it was very attachment, mm -hmm. um, you know, anxiety. And so how, uh, what are some signs that we could look for in our kids to identify that they're being anxious? Yeah, that's a really great question because the signs and symptoms around anxiety do look very different for so many different kids. Right. Um, and separation anxiety is so common, especially for, um, for kids, um, at this day and age right now, like as a result of the pandemic, you're finding more and more kids who are um, going through separation anxiety. And what that looks like is could it could be um, in some cases, a lot of clingy clinginess. Mm -hmm. It could be um, outbursts, right? So either crying a lot, a lot of tantrums. It could also look like anger. So if you notice maybe your, your child is having a lot of meltdowns over um, things that are supposedly making them feel angry, that could be anxiety. So for example, I've got this one uh, child that I work with and his mom was saying that he just yells at her, right? And will uh, call her names and just does not um, uh, 
in her words, was not creating this positive environment to live in. It was it was becoming very hard to, to live in this. So we were looking at his anger, right? And how to maybe manage some of that anger that's within him. But when we did a lot more work, we realized that underneath that all is a lot of anxiety, right? Right. And so it could look like so many different ways. There's also a lot of kids who um, have anxiety around specific tasks. So they might, for example, have no signs or symptoms. They could be doing super well at school um, and maybe taking their time to finish particular tasks or wanting things in a particular way. So it may not look like, you know, they just could look like that's their preference, but underneath it's because they want the sense of control, which is as a result of anxiety. Right. And that's the thing. It's like we try to control everything because it keeps our anxiety at bay. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, we do that as adults, right? And so our kids will definitely pick up on that and um, use it. to. to so their- what are the kinds of things we could do to help them through those types of situations? Yeah. So um, definitely the first thing is just to acknowledge them, right? And underneath that, underneath the particular behaviors, there's a need. So if you take that example of um, wanting to do well in everything and having this perfectionistic uh, mindset, it's the sense of control that's underneath that, right? That's the need that wants to be met. So um, it could be that the child does not feel in control of certain things in the household, right? Um, So giving them specific easy tasks that are easy for you to impede in your to to influence in your life. So for example, okay, um, you know, we're going to set the table here, where would you like to sit? Having that sense of control, right? Um, Okay, it's bedtime at 730. Um, I'll give you you can either go to sleep at 715 or 745. So you're still kind of playing around with that, right? You're not like letting it go till like nine o'clock, but um, you're giving them that sense of control. Mm -hmm. So that will help alleviate a lot of the need for control that they are having in that particular case. Okay. Well, that would make sense. I mean, trying to be rigid is hard, but keeping it consistent to a point where, but where is the fine line when you're dancing with the giving them the choice or giving them the flexibility between the parenting and sticking Mm -hmm. with it and letting them just do what they want. Yeah, exactly. So this is where the intention comes in for you, right? As a parent. So let's just take this, this bedtime, for example, right? And if you're having um, randomly 7.30 PM bedtime, right? And you're, they're fighting you on it. Right. And so you can say to them, okay, well, you know what? I understand that you want to stay up. You want to do this a little bit longer and you're getting frustrated. You can either go to sleep at 740 or you can go to sleep at 745. They'll probably pick 745 because it's later. Right. But you're not veering too far away from that 730 bedtime. You know, in your mind that you're giving them that um, you're around the same time 
right? Um, so then that way they do have that choice. And then when 745 comes around, they will be much less likely to fight you on it. Because chances are, if you say stick to that 730, you're going to probably have that 15 minutes where they're, they're fighting you on it, or they're having a mm-hmm. meltdown or right, and whatnot. So um, going to bed in that kind of state for them will not enable them to have the best night's sleep anyway. So that's a really good example of how you could exert your parental um, control there without taking away all of their control. Right, right. I mean, that would make more sense. And then when they push it and press it, you can then say, well, we, you made a choice. This was your choice. And this is now you know how it's going to go. It's 745. You chose 745. Yeah, exactly. You chose it. Yeah. Hold them accountable to it at the same time. Exactly. Another really great example. And this is so common is screen time, right? That's Mm -hmm. a, that's a huge battle for so many people. So one thing that I really suggest for parents is, um, it's time when it's time to put away the screen time, what do we normally do? We're um, okay. Put away the screen time now, right? Take it away. You need to shut it off. Um, But now if we are able to kind of do again, a little bit of that mind shift shift where we say to them, look, I know you want to stay on this a little bit longer. How about you stay for another five minutes? And after five minutes, you can turn it off and then come and see me and I'll tuck you into bed. So that way, again, you're giving them that um, acknowledgement that they want to stay on, on the screen for a little bit longer. You're not saying, okay, go on for the next half an hour. You're saying, you know, I know you really want to stay on that. You know what? I'm going to give you another five minutes because I know that's important to you. Then you can turn it off. And you can come and, and see me and I'll tuck you into bed. So again, it also gives them preparation too, because exactly. you can't just spring it on them. Cause I feel like if you give the five minute warning or the two minute warning, then they get to prepare themselves for turning it off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's another really great strategy that I always recommend as well is using timers as well. So that way they know that, um, this is coming. The other thing you'll notice at the end over there was um, in the example that I that I showed you was the sense of connection that, um, mm-hmm. you know, when you finish playing or watching whatever it is, come and see me. I am here for you. So you're telling them you're going to I am here. I love you. And we are going to connect whether it's five minutes, whether it's two minutes, whether it's 10 minutes but they have you. Right. Right. Cause then they get to look forward to that when they turn it off, which is really what they want anyway. Exactly. They want that sense of connection, right? More than two things that kids will definitely need is the acknowledgement of you acknowledging their feelings, right? Um, Instead of feeling dismissed and having that sense of connection. Those are the two things that kids uh, thrive on. Sure. Sure. And I think that's all humans. Cause all we want yes. is to connect. We, we're all, even as adults are looking for connection or we're looking for acknowledgement, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's what keeps us going. 
for sure. For sure. Well, this was very helpful. I think that the big, big message here is just making sure that we're slowing down, connecting and acknowledging. And I've also been told, you know, to use the, the, the when and then statements and not the if, if and when. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And um, I use that quite a bit, actually, with my clients. Um, it's, it's a really great CBT technique that um, really helps to kind of um, see the anxiety and, and kind of work through it as well, in a sure. way that makes sense. And it also gives them a sense of like, when you do this, then this, it's a choice, it's or consequence, yeah. you know, depending on which context you're using, it's clear mm -hmm. the words that they can hear because like us all, we only filter in what we want to hear or what we can. And we mm -hmm. usually miss the first part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's always the last part that we tend to catch on to, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Cause I think even when you, like when you, um, introduce your name, you always say it a couple times because yes. you always will miss it because they're yeah. looking elsewhere. Or not. Elsewhere. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Sure. Right. Yeah. Well, this was uh, an amazing, amazing conversation. I think it's really helpful for parents. We all struggle as parents with kids and different personalities and the just life in general. And we have to try and remember that it's a big, big world. And if adults are getting overwhelmed, like the kids can too, especially if they're little and they don't have those skills yet. And so just to show some grace all over and to do a woosah moment and just remember to connect and ask them how they're feeling and remember that we should be treating them like we want to be treated too. Yes, exactly. That's beautifully said. If we're feeling this overwhelm, imagine in their little worlds, what's going on. It's quite big especially if they're seeing their protector under it too, they mm. want to feel safe and secure and that could bring on some anxiety too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What they see is what they will project. For sure. For sure. Well, this was amazing. Where can our listeners find you? Uh, give us all of your handles yeah. and websites and podcasts. Yeah. So, uh, the podcast is the I am mom podcast and that plays everywhere. And, uh, we had a great episode with you on it. So you can also find that episode on our podcast. Um, my website is thrivekidsbc.ca and I'm also, um, on Instagram and Facebook at thrivekidsbc. Awesome. And everyone should go and follow Shaisa. She has amazing tips and is so knowledgeable. She has the degrees to back it up for mm -hmm. sure. And the podcast is, was super fun. And she, um, it's, it was just a lovely, lovely time. So go and check out her podcast and thank you again for being here. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to another episode of the chaos cookies podcast. We will catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See y'all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.